This is Overlapping Insight, Episode 1. We are just beginning. We overlap the world events and movements, including financial reports with the prophecies and timing of the coming of Christ, including how that will be our source of deliverance, prosperity, relief, comfort, and kindness. We overlap those details with you and your life. How you can be prepared so that you can have power, patience, freedom, vision, choice, and you can respond with kindness to others no matter what is going on around you. It was in March 2020 when uh, COVID hit. It gave me a wake-up call and reminded me of all the things I learned about when I was younger about the coming of Christ. I've always been excited about those prophecies and the greatness, and I believed it, and I do believe it. I'm beginning to see that these things were coming at us quickly in uh, March of 2020, and over the last two years, so today is uh, July 2022. And since then, since 2020, I've learned much more about financial markets and world conditions than I ever knew. So I'm excited to share with you how those overlap with Christ. It's very exciting and, well, a lot of fear-mongering is going on, but I want to be able to help to avoid the scare and find that Christ is the answer and His coming is going to be awesome. About the world subject, we're talking about money printing and the Federal Reserve. On the subject of Christ, we're talking about the Millennium and how that raises us to a new level referred to as the terrestrial state or terrestrial glory on this earth. Did you catch that? On this earth. That means there needs to be a change for the good. On the subject of you, we're going to talk about feeling the Spirit every day so that you can know that you are on the straight and narrow path. I'm particularly intrigued to tell you about that because when I was in my late 20s, maybe my early 30s, I had five kids, a new job, just out of college. I was sort of late out of college. And I felt like I was picked on by all those different aspects. And I was a whiner. And when there's problems, I have to talk about it. Then I learned how to become spiritually centered in Christ. And that made all the difference. And I'm excited to show you those particular steps where the rubber hits the road. So let's go for it. First, we need to understand what the Federal Reserve is. It is not a government agency, it is a privately owned bank. So as stated in the Federal Reserve System, Purpose and Functions, it says, the Federal Reserve System is considered to be an independent central bank. Its decisions do not have to be ratified by the President of the United States or anyone else in the executive branch of the government. So that goes in the face of the deceit that the name federal of the Federal Reserve means that it's a government agency. That federal name itself must have been chosen to make us think that they're going to be taking care of us. We'll have an episode that goes deep into the central banks way back 1900s, probably 1800s. So can you trust a privately owned bank, a big central bank, to have your well-being as their first priority? I don't think so. In fact, we have a conflict of interest. The article continues explaining 
from an act of Congress years ago, quote, to provide for the establishment of Federal Reserve Banks to furnish an elastic currency. Elastic currency. That should concern us. They can change its value that will uh, potentially affect our buying power and dilute savings accounts. And yes, we have seen that. So it continues, quote, to establish a more effective supervision of banking in the United States. The 12 regional reserve banks located around the country are chartered as private corporations. Employees are not civil service, or in other words, civil servants. So two things ought to be very disconcerting about this whole thing. Here we have a central bank over us that is privately owned that can create or print money at will. They can make the rules and if they're the ones who are supervising the banks, we know from greed and the open coffers that they can arrange their business that is best for them. So keep that in mind as we go. On uh, techstartups.com, you find the report. 80% of all US dollars in existence were printed in the last 22 months. Holy cow. So in January 2020, there were $4 trillion in circulation. Okay, January 2020. Just 22 months later, there were $20 trillion as of October 2021. When? <laughs> when did the US dollar start? 1792. And that was established by the United States with the, uh, the dollar standard in terms of a fixed quantity of silver or gold. So it adopted the gold standard in 1900. But President Nixon in 1971 took us off the gold standard. Other things started to happen then as well. Since the founding of the Federal Reserve System in 1913 as the Central Bank of the United States, the dollar has been primarily issued in the form of Federal Reserve notes as we see them today, the greenbacks. The United States dollar is now the world's primary reserve currency held by governments worldwide for use in international trade. Now notice in particular there is text printed right on each dollar that reads the note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. So be aware that this is a debt-based system. Once uh, debt is created, money has just increased in the system. So if we have gone from $4 trillion to $20 trillion, is that all new debt? I think so. The article continues. As of February 2022, the U.S. inflation hits a 40-year high, rising to 7.5% in 2021. By the way, that's 9.1% in June. Now, although this tracking of the price index has changed, so they don't include energy, real estate, and other significant factors, they just pick and choose. So the number is deceptively low. It has changed from the years before, so it's much higher than 7.5%. And if we stop and look at the grocery store, we can see that that's the case. Quote, as the Federal Reserve continues to print trillions out of thin air, Fed uh, Fed's addiction to money printing has kept the party going for Wall Street while fueling inequality. Today, the stock market and cryptocurrency market are at record highs while income and wages remain almost the same. So the Federal Reserve continues to print more money, further devaluing the dollar and enslaving millions of Americans. So inflation and devaluing is compared to a tax. It's taking our buying power, so keep in mind that this channel is to keep all things in perspective. 
We need to be aware of what's going on around us, what is changing our society, and what is taking away our freedoms. But also understanding that these things are picking up because they are fulfilling the prophecies from the writings of the prophets in the past and even distant past by centuries. So we're going to be seeing that and very intriguing that we can trust that and trust whatever else we can learn about what's coming our way and the greatness coming our way. So we are showing you what the millennium is and how that is going to be coming to clean out the wickedness and dishonest in the next steps of progression of the eternities. There's a plan for us. For us, this is a mission of mercy. So keep in mind, the world is not to be destroyed. The worldly are being destroyed. So this is what the writings of God's prophets have been telling us about. And I'm excited to be able to show you some of these prophecies that have been fulfilled from centuries ago to the exact year, if not the exact day. Here we have a clip showing the government has increased the debt back in the year of Obama uh, by $1 trillion per year. This is Mitt Romney, who is a presidential candidate, speaking in 2012. I think it's not just an economic issue. I think it's a moral issue. I think it's frankly not moral for my generation to keep spending massively more than we take in, knowing those burdens are going to be passed on to the next generation. And they're going to be paying the interest and the principal all their lives. And the amount of debt we're adding at a trillion a year is simply not moral. I remember that debate back in 2012, 10 years ago. I knew that we were around $10 trillion. That was a big national debt, and I, I knew I was about what it was. So from what I remember, this is before Obama took office. Then in the debate, Romney also pointed out that they were at $16 trillion in deficit for the national debt. And so when he brought that up, Obama was silent, just silent. He didn't say a word. He didn't even throw a glance. This is all part of the game of what they know what they're doing and they are patient. This has been going on for decades. This has been um, manipulated government and society, but taking that all into perspective, the Federal Reserve is a private bank, but they are funding the US government, among others, and certainly, they are interested to have more and more debt from the government in order to receive interest. And that money goes to pay for who knows what to who knows who to control what they want. But we got stimulus money, remember that. Checks in the mail or directly into your accounts, a little freaky. And that made us feel good. So we were thinking that uh, we're being taken care of, but that was a drop in the bucket. So where did the rest of the trillions go? And can we even fathom what a trillion is? It's a million million. So from the time of Obama, we have gone into much more debt, almost doubled. Look at the chart from 2008. Do you remember that global financial crisis? Do you see how that money printing jumps up? Then it continues on to increase the money printing right into 2014, and that goes to four trillion. Uh, then uh, there was, let's see, so remember back in 2018, it was less than one trillion. Now this right here is the balance sheet. This is what the Federal Reserve has bought up. The Federal Reserve private bank has been buying up all these stock market bonds and mortgages. So then uh, let's go on, let's see. It goes up into 2020, it goes up to seven trillion and you see a staircase movement. You see that on the graph at the far right up the top there? 
The Federal was pumping in $120 billion per month into the stock market, among other things. So that made Americans feel like they were rich. This is called the wealth effect, when all is going well. So people's houses prices are high, they're feeling good, 401k is going good, they're spending money, uh, not suspecting anything. So if there is any suspicion that there is a concerted effort to bring us down by taking us with deceit, we are beginning to see evidence of something going on. And it gets deeper. We'll be talking in the next episode about the World Economic Forum and their plan for the Great Reset. Uh, you've heard the phrase, build back better. We could say, build back different, or even worse. We could say, build back in the way they want to. Because this is their thinking that they can control us and they can make the decisions for us because they think they're smarter and know what we want for ourselves. I don't think so. And who is the world government? Non-elected, self-appointed, they conclude that they know what is good. We are looking at the national debt clock now. This is about, um, this is about actually two weeks ago. It shows that the national debt is 30 and a half trillion dollars. It's just mind-blowing to see those numbers flying by as it goes deeper. But let's talk about Christ and the coming of Christ and how he will guide us to freedom prosperity, strength, truth, and light. I will lean on the coming of Christ and His promises much sooner than I would lean on buying into this system. Uh, they, you know, they're out to control us, so we've got to be careful not to be caught up and deceived. I hope you have not had a bad experience, which may have caused you to look down on the mention of Christ. If so, I hope to start over with you, with a clean slate. This is too awesome to overlook or to criticize or to ignore. So first, I feel inclined to show you pictures from artists that depict Christ in the way that I see him so we can be on the same page. So I'll have that running behind me. This is the depiction of him when he's on the earth before he's glorified and resurrected. I see him as a happy person with a sense of humor, kind and giving. Of course he's obedient. and. And he's firm in the truth. In fact, if you want to see a movie series of the life of a real down-to-earth, fun and kind Christ, look up The Chosen on YouTube um, or on the internet somewhere. There are two seasons so far. They are working on season three now. Just awesome. I love it. I've seen all the episodes multiple times. I can't get tired of it. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you, you cannot. It's disease. You. Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. 
I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. <sighs> Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> It's Dallas and the creator of The Chosen, and if you liked what you just saw and you want to see the episodes of the first ever multi-season show about the life of Christ, you can do so right now for free. Yes, if you get The Chosen app, you can watch these episodes for free right now. You're going to go to thechosen.tv or the Apple Store or Google Play, download the app, and you can watch immediately episodes one through four. Hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much. So I've had a hard time with others that movies that just paint them as sterile. So think about the time or times that you see somebody who's really kind. Maybe it has surprised you to find someone who is just so kind and consistent or maybe you personally you personally helped somebody and took your time and you were really concerned about them. How did you feel? This is how Christ is and even more. He's full of kindness and is caring and giving to us and wanting to lift us to beyond anything that we can even imagine. All wicked people are to be cleared out with the coming of Christ. But please know that he has invited everyone to come to him. He doesn't want to lose anyone, but everyone has the free will and their own choice. So here is Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. For behold, the day is come that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. 
The dust shall leave them neither root nor branch, but unto you that fear my name, or in other words, respect and love my name, shall the Son of Righteousness rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. So, this is going to be great. Stick with me because the writings of the prophets describe three glories of three levels of glories, and I think you'll understand how this all works. The first and greatest level is called celestial, which is compared symbolically to the sun. Then there is the terrestrial, which is symbolic of the glory of the moon, and then telestial, which is compared to the stars, one star having more glory than another. So they differ. We just summarized 1 Corinthians 15, 40 to 41. A comparison is important in order to understand the millennium. These three glory levels speak of where you and I will land with our reward for eternity after the final judgment, which is based on our personal willingness to progress to be righteous or not. But it also uh, describes where we're at today. So if you're already aware of these details, and I think you'll find an inspiring surprise, spoiler alert, I'm going to show you how the telestial glory, the one that is compared to the light of the stars, is the level of righteousness and wickedness that we have on earth right now. Then the millennium state of our world will be raised to the terrestrial state at the coming of Christ, the glory of the moon. Only those who have followed Christ and are working at it can be in the millennium. The terrestrial is compared to the glory of the moon, where the telestial cannot stand or tolerate. The worldly will be wiped out by the glory of Christ, just by his presence alone. So let's get a specific definition of celestial glory or level, so the highest glory. The celestial kingdom is the place prepared for those who have received the testimony of Jesus and then made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who brought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. Now, for the terrestrial definition, this is the one compared to the brightness of the moon. Symbolically, those who inherit terrestrial glory will receive the presence of the Son of God, but not of the fullness of the Father. Wherefore, their bodies are terrestrial and not bodies celestial, and differ in glory as the moon differs from the sun. Celestial glory will be reserved for individuals who received not the gospel and testimony of Christ. So what is an example of a person who has accepted Christ but refuses to accept the fullness of the Father? Consider this. We are raised in a certain way with certain beliefs. Okay, our life, right? Anybody, if they're born and raised in a family. And let's assume that uh, these are rather strong beliefs because all of our family and our traditions are surrounded by these beliefs. We've made our conclusions, and then we think we're smart enough to look at the other people's traditions and beliefs, and so we are smart that we can pick out their flaws. We think we are good, we know the stuff, so we are convinced. But then our world circumstances start to change and we're getting ready to be lifted up to a whole new state of living. So suddenly we're faced with some truths, some real truths, eternal truths, that come from Heavenly Father. They are new and beyond our understanding of what we have already chosen to believe, so we end up not accepting these truths. This is just an example. And we certainly don't recognize them as truths because they are different. They come so subtly and they come from other people, which 
we may not recognize as prophets or to have any authority, but God works through prophets and people to bring about his work to this celestial world. So I'll give you two examples that need to happen before Christ comes here. We need to establish or to have established the church with his authority, even with his one and only prophet for the entire world. How do you think that's going to go over? There are so many people in so many churches, they think that they have all that they need and there's nothing else. But there is more. That's what we're being raised up and we've got to be ready for that. But there is more if we want to progress. Will you believe it? I mean, will you believe it if new truth comes around, different than what you've got? Will the world attack it and try to destroy it? Most likely, there's going to be a struggle. So the second example is this, that Christ has every right to reveal to the world more writings of other people throughout the centuries. We have the Bible and it's amazing that it's been preserved, but old records can come in our day from other groups. So he would have had servants chosen among these other ancient people because remember that the Bible are the writings of the people just in the area of Jerusalem, of Israel, of Babylon, of Egypt. It covers all those areas, right? So what was going on with these other groups across the world? There wasn't any internet. We couldn't travel around. There weren't telephones to communicate. So certainly he's had other people. So even the lost ten tribes spoken of by the prophets, they were lost from communication. Where have they been since 700 BC? What have they learned? How has the Lord worked with them? Certainly we must get their writings too. Do you remember that he told his disciples, this is when Christ was, was on the earth and he was just resurrected and he was leaving his disciples. He said that there are other sheep I have. So he was going to go see them. So look at John 10, 16. Uh, I'll show that behind me. If there are more writings of other people guided by God in other parts of the world, I want to read them. I want to see them. I think that would be awesome. I think they'll clarify maybe some vague parts of the Bible, maybe parts that weren't uh, translated perfectly. If there are other truths, I want to know about them. I think that would be awesome to see how he's worked with other people. So, speaking of new things to consider, this might be your first opportunity to adjust, and this makes such great sense to me. So we're going back to talk about the celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. This is significant. So I hope you'll uh, catch on to this. But years ago, there were men that got together that needed to decide the nature of Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And they decided that it was all one being. And in some magical way, this being could change to the, be the Father, or to be the Son, or to be the Holy Ghost. But I don't understand that. If you were to read the Bible and you didn't have someone standing by you to give you that strict translation for you to believe it, I think you would find that they're all separate. <clears throat> uh, the Father introduces His Son, you know, and the Holy Spirit's present at His, his baptism, and, and, the Holy, and the Father speaks down too. So, look at this, for the celestial state of the world compared to the glory of the differing stars. The Holy Spirit and the prophets called by Christ are the guiding forces, like Moses, Noah, Melchizedek, and others. They prepare us to hear Him, to hear Christ, so that we can then learn from Him directly. Now here's the difference. In the terrestrial realm, which is happening with the millennium, we have the presence of Christ as our lawgiver. Can it be any more simple than that? I mean, do you see the difference between the celestial, this earth now, and the terrestrial, this earth during the millennium? 
When he comes, celestial and the worldly are cleaned out. We have those left over who are the brighter stars compared to the, you know, the other stars, the light stars, the wicked stars. This is the case for the millennium condition of the world. This is what will be our world after the coming of Christ. So for the celestial state of glory compared to the bright glory of the sun, we have the presence of Heavenly Father where no unclean thing or person can be. So we have this, these two extremes. We have the celestial and we have the celestial. So do you see where this is going? I'm trying not to overtalk this, but this is such an exciting clarification. Let me bring this together by a combined review of what we just talked about. The celestial level of righteousness or wickedness is served by the Holy Spirit along with men who are divinely called as prophets. So they too are men, they're with us, they can handle our wickedness, right? But they are a guiding source of truth and light here. The influence of the Holy Spirit is like a wood stove on a cold winter day. The wood stove is in a room of a house. The closer you get to the wood stove, the more you feel of its warmth. So when you are coming closer to it, it's like you're seeking after Heavenly Father in truth and righteousness. When you go away from the wood stove, say if you choose to be disobedient or rebellious, you are getting colder and you are miserable. So similarly, you don't feel the Spirit. So here's the thing. In this celestial style world, the Holy Spirit can work with us on this lower level of righteousness mixed with wickedness. So let's go out of order this time. Let's go actually to the celestial glory level, the highest kingdom. And this is where Heavenly Father is in that glory and the brightness of the sun. So the sun in the sky, right? No unclean thing or person can live there. If we tried, we would be burnt up. We were, we were just not worthy and not capable. But we need to become capable. So here it is, on the terrestrial level, right, the middle one now, between celestial and celestial, where Christ is the lawgiver and He is present there, those who accept the gospel and testimony of Jesus Christ can be there. But we still need the chance to progress and be better. But at least we have arrived to that level. Do you, do you see now? He is capable of handling this middle degree or not yet righteous, people, but he needs some dedication from us at least. He then has a thousand years with us to get us ready for the celestial kingdom. If we choose, we still have to choose and we have to work at becoming like Christ in order to get to where our Heavenly Father is. Isn't that merciful? Isn't that great? Definitely awesome. So we have a chance and what a plan of mercy to let us grow little by little as we go. So with this perspective, whether it is new to you or not, how can a single being who is the same, but who is able to change, how can he just change the tolerance of his worthiness? It just doesn't make sense to me, but it makes great sense that Christ, if you see in John 15, 26, sent the first comforter. I'll put that scripture behind me. So John 15, 26, he sent the first comforter when he was leaving the disciples after the resurrection. Then he will be the second comforter but for those who are worthy of the millennium after his second coming. That's the millennium. Can you imagine how our life will be when Christ is the lawgiver? I mean, just that. Just, just think about how we're living life right now. Will I be registering my car? That's a funny thought. I don't think so. In fact, I think we will start seeing how liberated we are with Christ, giving the rules, sort of like a, a woman who finally gets out of their, you know, an abusive relationship and finds how manipulated she was, how stifled she was in that bad situation. 
And I think that's where we're at. That's why we're miserable at times. So let's be very careful that we're not cursing God for our circumstances. He's the one who is trying to give us the answers and freedoms. It's people and manipulation and wickedness. It's their free agency that has created our, our world that is inferior compared to where we, we can be going. So this is where we're going. We're going to be raised up. So let's talk about you out of this book, Overlapping Insight. Uh, how can we be sure to be on the Lord's side? At the beginning, we spoke of how a person through Christ can have power, patience, freedom, vision, choice, and be able to respond with kindness to others no matter what is going on. I experienced this. I used to complain about my, my circumstances with uh, demanding children, a wife who has her request, and my work which has its you know, unfair problems. But now I understand that there are no problems. There are just opportunities to practice being like Christ. Fill the spirit every day to know that I'm on the straight and narrow path. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is what has changed me, even though I have been a churchgoer all my life. The original version of this book was written by a true disciple of Jesus Christ, James Cox. I'll give you a link to the original work on overlappinginsight.com, where you can also get this book for free in PDF format or as an audiobook. There's nothing for sale from this channel or on overlappinginsight.com. It's not for sale anywhere. You can't even buy it from us, but you can get it for free. To avoid priestcraft, we do not monetize this channel. We don't feel like we should uh, have any gain other than the goodness of heaven in the eternities. That's more worth it to me. I'm leaning on that. So when I was learning these principles, with a new intensity, I was about 32 years old. I had bought an older house. I was out on a large deck area in back where I was just cutting and placing the new boards. I had boys who were eight and six years old. They were, they were old enough to come out and help me. And I had already been working all day at my regular job and I was getting impatient and it was warm out there, but they could certainly come out and help me. So a feeling of anger, which was not too frequent, but not uncommon for me in those days, but it just rose up. I could almost tell you where it was. And I knew if it kept going, that it would spill out, explode my anger. Not, not maybe violent anger, but at least my voice would raise. I would be tense and then I would lose the spirit. And of course I would feel dumb after that because I knew I was not acting uh, very mature. So uh, I've experienced that. But this is when I was learning these principles of being spiritually centered in Christ. So I remember standing out there on the deck, ready to go in. But I thought, wait, this is what Satan would uh, expect me to do. But instead, I felt like, you know, I'm going to surprise him. I'm going to surprise Satan and not respond with anger. So I just kept working and I was happy. And I, I looked around me. I recognized I had the tools. I had materials to build my own deck. I had my own deck. This is awesome. So I felt the spirit. And I got to the point where I needed to put all the screws. So all the boards were laid down, but down the joists, I needed to go and screw all those in. And uh, so I thought, hey, I had an idea. And this, this came to me, go and bite one of my boys. Let's have some fun. So I did, and he came out, one of them came out, and we, we, uh, <laughs> we put a stopwatch on and measured how long it took us to, to do one row. And then we competed against our time, and we had laughs, we had fun. 
And it was a great experience. And what a change that was. Change of heart. Raising our heart up to heaven. That's a change of heart. Changing our behaviors. So, this is what Christ teaches us. And, th and this, like I say, this book is just helping us have some stories and tell us what we're doing wrong sometimes, but also give us some examples of what we're good, good at. So, this is what Christ teaches. Watch and pray always, uh, lest you be carried away captive by him, Satan. He also taught, pray in your families and to the Lord, always in my name, that your wives and your children may be blessed. Here's a good one. Pray always, lest that wicked one have power in you and move you out of your place. So you might be thinking to be moved out of your place, uh, might be talking about some leader of respect, a prophet, somebody of a higher order, but no. I think that we're talking about here is that we pray that the devil cannot remove us out of our happy place. So how about that? I think our scriptures are much more down to earth than we think they are. And especially as we are talking about world events and society movements, he says, quote, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted for or worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the key here then that we can escape the world problems, the entrapments, and to be able to stand before him. He is saying it right there to be worthy of a terrestrial level so we can continue to progress to a celestial level and be with our Heavenly Father forever. So this is a question to consider. Is life fair? We can say no, it's not fair. If we're looking between um, like birth and death, we're going to be right. We're going to have more hunger, more pain, more sweat, more tears, more passions that take us over than probably that, um, you know, than, than good. So in comparison of the bad, we'll have more bad than good, right? So yeah, not fair. But if we say yes, life is fair, if we look at it eternally, absolutely, we will have more blessings multiplied upon us for our faithfulness and our work and our sharing of Christ and goodness to other people. So I would call the perspective uh, from birth until death being temporally centered and looking and making decisions in our life now for eternity, I'd call that spiritually centered. So let's see what's the difference here. What happens when we are temporally centered? Life is not fair. I'm not sure I'll qualify for the celestial kingdom. I do not have enough time to get all things done. I'm overwhelmed. I feel pressure most of the time. I'm not sure when the Holy Spirit is with me. I rely on others to make me feel of worth. My life is not mine. I only enjoy the weekend. I do not feel forgiven. What happens when I'm spiritually centered? I feel closer to Heavenly Father. I have great hope to be raised into eternal life. I receive more revelation. What I do each day is now worthwhile. I have less stress. When my children make mistakes, I can handle it. My feeling of self-worth has increased a hundredfold. I feel free. I'm able to get all things done. I enjoy each day. So in this example, when I was working out on the deck, I had personal revelation. Just thoughts came to mind. Hey, go invite your boy. Come out and have a competition among yourselves. 
this is where we can have blessings. I know that blessings is sort of a general umbrella word, but... So as we begin to recognize what's happening, maybe we can say, hey, I'm being temporally focused. We can raise our heart to Heavenly Father. So we're only doing a small portion of the book, so I hope you'll pick up the book, you get the audio book, listen to it while you're driving, listen to it with your kids. Um, so I look forward to our next discovery of details related to the world events and movements, the coming of Christ's prophecies and promises fulfilled, and how we can become the true disciples with protection from whatever may be thrown in our way. On the world subject, episode two, we'll be talking about the world organizations and leaders who are non-elected and self-appointed, including their plan for the Great Reset and how they want us to own nothing and just be happy about it. On the Christ subject, we'll be talking about Daniel and his 2300-year prophecy. In order to get there, we will need to get a summary of how the Jews have been gathering back into Israel. Amazing. In nowhere in history have we had people gather throughout all the world back to a country where they were 2,000, 3,000 years ago. So the key detail will be the Six-Day War in 1967. And we cannot deny that God had a plan. He made sure that it was fulfilled. He fought at their side and orchestrated it all. And he orchestrates the fight with our lives. So this, this, these are all the examples that always apply to you. So the point here then will be to show that the Lord does fulfill his prophecies. On the Christ subject, we'll be talking about Daniel and his 2300 year prophecy. In order to get there, we will need to get a summary of how the Jews have been gathering back into Israel. Amazing. Nowhere in history, our history, has there been a people gathered from all over the world to gather back to a country where they had started 2,000 or 3,000 years ago. So the key detail will be the Six-Day War in 1967. We will not be able to deny that God has a plan and He made sure it was fulfilled. So the point here then will be to show that the Lord does fulfill the prophecies that He has given to His prophets that share those with us. So on the you subject, we'll be talking about developing high knowledge of self-worth related to Christ and how He wants us to be raised up to new levels. So before I leave you on this last story, which I think, uh, well, I have a last story. And I think this will make a huge difference for our conversation. So this is something, an example of what you can do. So consider this. This was a surprise to me. This is back in 1988. I was 22 years old. In my own circumstances, I knew I was wrong to get into debt, particularly for frivolous things. I knew that I should live within my means and be frugal, not be so set on owning things and having things that would be put, in, you know, put me into debt. But I didn't follow it. I spent, or I got a loan for, $10,000 on a professional keyboard with weighted keys that would communicate with a computer. I had a recorder that had eight separate tracks to record instruments and voice. And, uh, and computers were new back then. And I had a great time with it. I wrote music, recorded music. But later on, I felt burdened, months later. I wasn't following the prophet to stay out of debt. So I determined, fine, I will sell everything and give back to the bank. I wanted to follow. So I took about, it took about six weeks for people to come and respond to my ad, and they bought pieces of the recording equipment. And I, I remember that night uh, when the last person came and bought the last piece of equipment. I was sitting out on the steps of my apartment in, in a big city, 
And I was looking out at the stars the best I could see, you know, because you can't see them too well in the city, but I could see some stars up there. And, and I don't know if I said this out loud or not, but I said the prayer in my heart, Heavenly Father, I've done what thou has asked me to do. So it was late. I went into my bedroom, ready to go to sleep. I knelt and prayed. And I was explaining myself more thoroughly and just being grateful. And I followed through. I did something hard because I had, you know, I had great plans for music. I wanted to do something, but I knew it wasn't for me. But this is what happened. I got up and I took my scriptures from my nightstand. I opened them up. And the scripture I was re reading was, what, six, seven lines long is all it was, not very long. And I started reading and suddenly the Spirit pierced my heart. And I was surprised and I just felt the truth and the strength. I was filled and I, 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 was, I was stunned. But then I kept reading in that same verse, the other half. And I was pierced again into my heart, again. And I wondered, how can this happen? Why? Why haven't I felt this so strong before? or more consistently. And then I realized I had stripped myself of pride. I had been obedient, and now I can have the Spirit with me even stronger. I think that is a that, that's a great answer for all of us, uh, and a great reminder to me now, even so. But consider for yourself, maybe going back to your brother or sister you haven't seen for so long since you know that last argument. Or consider repenting of something else that is prominent in your life or maybe past in your life that you've covered up. Uncover it. Get rid of it. The Lord wants you to just come to Him and He won't remember them anymore. It will be cleared out if you truly repent of it. So it changed my life and I want more. I'm sharing this with you. And remember, we're taking the world events, overlapping them with the timing of Christ, which is so close, and then talking about us and how we can be sure to be on the right side. So essential and so liberating. Why be part of you know, this rat race? I mean, we have to live in the world, but not be of the world. So our next discussion then, in episode two, I look forward to it.